Well, we're going to worship once again in this beautiful hymn of Charles Wesley, Come Holy Ghost, Our Hearts Inspire. And I'll let you keep your seats. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. O our gracious, eternal and mighty God, how we worship you this morning. For Lord, you do reign on high. You are the sovereign God. Lord, who else can we go to but to you? For as our sovereign God, you are also the Lord who speaks the words of eternal life. And so, Lord, as we enter into your courts of praise this morning, we do come with thanksgiving. Lord, it's just lovely to be able to just hide away in in the chambers of your love the chambers of your peace and forgiveness and mercy and joy. Lord, when we think of coming into your presence here this morning, Lord, you invite us to come into the very courts of heaven, a place that has no sin, a place that is filled with joy and peace, a place that is filled with perfection, 
There's no anger, no bitterness, no unforgiveness there. There's no holding of grudges. Lord, it's a place of absolute beauty. And Lord, when we think of that kingdom of love, Lord, we do pray then, oh, let thy kingdom come. Let thy kingdom come. Lord, may we experience, even in measure, this morning, a taste of that kingdom. Lord, would you pour upon us your Holy Spirit of promise. Lord, may we experience today heaven on earth, that you would pour out your love, your peace, your joy, your comfort, your mercy, and your amazing grace. Lord, fill each heart here, and those listening online as well. Lord, we, we ask that you would draw near to them. I know many miss being here at the church, but Lord, I pray that they would experience even their own homes as they listen, that their own homes would become the very gates of heaven. And Lord, as we worship you this morning, we do seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we do need your power. We need your empowering in order for us to pray effectively, in order for us to worship in spirit. Lord, we need to be filled with the spirit. And so, Lord, fill your church, Lord, that you would be glorified in all things. And Lord, we do pray that you would forgive us. Lord, forgive us for our faithlessness. Lord, forgive us for our coldness of heart to the things of God. Oh Lord, would you come and just stir up the fires again that we would burn for the Lord Jesus, that we would see again here in Stevenson a fire on the hill that people will be drawn to the glory of Christ. And that many in our community would say, oh, we want to see Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, continue to add to us daily. And Lord, as we worship, Lord, we bring all the quiet thoughts upon our own hearts and our prayers. And Lord, we ask that you would now just gather our thoughts and our hearts as we now unite in the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're now going to take our Bible reading from John chapter 4, verses 27 to 38. 
John chapter 4, verses 27 to 38. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with, with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Amen. And may the Lord bless to us the reading of his precious word. Well, I would like us to return to John's Gospel there in our reading in chapter 4. And the chapter is really filled with surprises, isn't it? We notice a woman at the well surprised that Jesus spoke to her. And we also notice that she was surprised that Jesus knew all about it. And then we read that the people in the city were surprised in her testimony. And then we notice that even the disciples were surprised. They were, they were surprised that Jesus wasn't hungry. But with this chapter opening up with so many surprises, we also notice that Jesus had a surprise for them. He tells the disciples that there's a great harvest of souls that are ready. Look at the fields. They are white unto harvest. And there's good pay that's offered to the reapers. And so as Jesus surprises the disciples, and I'm sure they must have been scratching their heads. And you know, whenever I read these verses, it, it puts my whole theology upside down. And I hope this morning it puts your theology upside down too. I grew up always believing that the church was white. That the church was pure. That the church was correct. The church were always right. And it's people outside the church that were really sinners and were messing up and they were all, they're the bad people, we're the good people inside. Even as a wee boy, I always thought that, that it's good people who go to the church and it's the bad people that don't. <laughs> and then you suddenly get this surprise from Jesus. And what does he say? He said, see outside? They're white. What? They're ready. They're in the right place. The fields are white unto harvest. 
Don't worry about outside. Don't worry about your streets. Don't worry about your neighbours. They're all right. They're in the right place. But we also notice that the people who weren't in the right place was actually the church. What a surprise. Jesus says, look, everything's ready for the harvest. You can see there are souls there in desperate need of my love, to experience my love, my forgiveness, my mercy. There's such need out there. The problem is the church is not going. And so Jesus said, pray for laborers. We need the laborers to go out. We need people to gossip the gospel again. I remember as a wee boy, there were people who I can still picture in my mind there on the island who always spoke to you so kindly. And they would say to you about, now I hope you know the Lord. I hope you've put your trust in the Lord. I, I remember as a wee boy, people coming to me saying that. Witnessing. You knew who the Christians were in the community. When I was younger, I used to think they were the wacky ones. They were a bit fanatical. But you know, they couldn't help but tell. They couldn't help but tell. There were just people who I can still picture who have now gone to be with the Lord. I remember when I first came to the, the High Kirk. What a joy as I sat in the study there praying before the Lord, just asking the Lord to help me in my ministry. When a chap in the door came and this man who introduced himself as Jimmy Neely. And he was such a lovely man from Town Head Fellowship there, or it used to be the Lone Hall then. But you know, Jimmy came in to the study with me and he sat down and he was so gracious. He was so kind. And he said, Scott, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And you know, I was so blessed. And I've had over the years many from other churches and I know Townhead Fellowship especially, they've been such a, a precious partnership for me in the gospel. I know they pray for us here at the High Kirk. Oh, we need laborers. We need those who are bold of spirit, who have no shame about Jesus or the gospel, who have no shame in bringing souls before the Lord to see lives touched and changed, where our prayers grow heart, where we're not just praying, bless mummy and bless daddy, amen, but where our heart grows in prayer and we can bring in kingdoms and nations into our prayers because we're not ashamed of the gospel and we long for souls to come to know Christ. Oh, may the Lord just grow our hearts. But anyway, before I go off at a tangent there, I want you to notice here in chapter 4 we're told everything that the Christian needs to know about the harvest. And I, I love how Jesus explains the harvest. He says it's almost like a 101 course. So what's the harvest all about? What do we need to know about this harvest that's ready? 
Well, verse 35 tells us, first of all, yes, the harvest is ready right now. Now, we may well ask the question, well, what's this harvest then? What's it about? Well, in verse 34, you'll notice that Jesus ties this in to his finished work. It's to do with the cross. It's to do with all that he's going to accomplish on Calvary. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, the harvest is ready. I'm about to finish my father's work. The cross is central to the harvest. What Jesus is going to accomplish is what's going to cause the harvest to be brought in. And so here we notice he finished his work. As we remember that day on Calvary, when Jesus hung on that cross, Jesus finished his work paying for our sins. On the cross of Calvary, your sins and my sins, our mess, Jesus paid it all. I love that old gospel hymn. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That finished work, that's why the harvest is now ready. Jesus has paid for it. He's paid for it by his own death, his suffering, his life. And of course, his resurrection and ascension. And now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he's now praying. He's praying for us right now. And Jesus reminds us, now the harvest is ready. The, this harvest of souls is ready now. We're not to wait four months or years Jesus said, go now. Now is the day of salvation, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Now is the day of blessing. You know, we often put off God's blessing to a future date. That's what they did in the Old Testament. Remember in Isaiah? They would ask the question, when is the day of blessing? When is the day of salvation? And as Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he reminds them, Today is the day of blessing. Today is the day of salvation. We can know souls coming to know the Lord Jesus. We can know our families, our loved ones, experiencing forgiveness and mercy and grace and the love of Jesus. Tomorrow, next week maybe, next year maybe, the harvest is ready now. Today is the day of salvation. And so we're told, therefore, lift up your eyes. When you pray for your family, your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren, when you pray for your friends, you know that maybe they don't have any interest in, in the gospel, they don't have interest in church, they don't have interest in the Lord at all. But can I encourage you to go out and labor in prayer? Will you pray for them? Will you keep praying for them? 
and pray with hope because today is the day of salvation. You never know when you go to the place of prayer and it may be that today is the day that God's going to answer that prayer. I love the book of Acts there in chapter 10. It talks about Cornelius. We're told that he had been praying. He was a good man and he had been praying. And then suddenly we're told in chapter 10 that his prayers had come up as a memorial unto the Lord. Wouldn't that be lovely? You've been praying for years for something and nothing seems to have budged yet. Nothing seems to have moved in prayer and you almost feel like giving up saying, Lord, I just, I've been praying about this for years and nothing's ever happened. Imagine Cornelius there, the Roman centurion, who had been praying, we don't know how long, but imagine the day that you just pray and suddenly your prayers are answered in a moment. Why? Because your prayers have come up as a memorial unto the Lord. Today's the day that the Lord has decided to take all your prayers and pour them out in answered prayer. Today is the day of blessing. Today is the day of salvation. We don't know when a prayer will be answered in a moment. Do you know sometimes the Lord says no to our prayers because maybe they're just selfish. But there are times where the Lord says, wait, wait on me in this prayer. Just wait. And then there are other times where the Lord says, today I'm going to answer that prayer. Look at this. And he pours. And suddenly your neighbor comes knocking on your door in tears. Please, will you pray for me? Your daughter, your son, your grandchildren knocking the door one day. Granny, grandpa. <laughs> Someone spoke to me on the street the other day and they handed me a gospel tract and you know, I just thought they were an idiot. I thought they were daft. But you know, I went home that night and I read it. And I've been troubled ever since. <laughs> I can't sleep because of it. Granny, is it true? Do you really believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he's coming again? And that we have to be ready for him? Wouldn't it be lovely where you can say, yes, I believe it with all my heart. And I've been praying for you for years. And the Lord then just sweeps them in. Wouldn't that be lovely? Oh, keep praying. The Lord needs laborers, yes, to speak for him, but also to pray for him. The Lord needs laborers who will labor in prayer. Jesus said, the harvest, all you need to know about the harvest, it's ready. It's ready. Lift up your eyes. Don't focus on earthly things. Don't focus on, Lord, I just don't think my prayer will be answered because of this and this and this. Lord, I haven't read my Bible enough. I, I don't think I've been praying enough this week. Lord, I, I, I got angry with so-and-so this week. Therefore, oh, I don't know if you'll answer my prayer. I haven't been to church for a wee while. Oh, I don't know if you'll answer my prayer now. And oh, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Don't focus on what you haven't done. Don't focus on your regrets. Don't focus on the things that you wish you had done in life. This is what you need to know about the harvest, is they're ready right now. And what we need to do is look up, to look up, 
Don't worry if you feel that you've failed as a Christian, that you feel as if you've just messed up and, oh, I've wasted so much time, so many years have been wasted. Can I encourage you today? Don't look in. Don't look back. Look up. Lift up your eyes and look at the harvest field. Look in the fields. See people as God sees them. As the Lord Jesus looked out on our communities, we're told that he was moved with compassion. Sadly, many look on those who are struggling and those who have sinned and those who have messed up. Often people will look and say, oh, they deserve all they get. (laughs) They deserve all they get. Oh boy, what a mess that life's in. Oh, well, serves them right. They started that drug carry-on and now look at them. They're in a right mess. Look at that person there now, an absolute alcoholic, and oh, they'll never change. They're beyond redemption. No, we're told to look up and to look out onto the fields with the eyes of Christ. How does Jesus look upon this world when he sees someone who's at rock bottom? The Lord is moved with compassion. He touches a life that's in a mess. He brings healing and restoration. Oh, that's the way the church ought to be. When you go out into the supermarket or whatever, oh, be a blessing. Be a blessing wherever you are. When people come to visit you in your home, be a blessing. Pray, even quietly. Just pray, Lord, while this person's here in my home, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them. I pray that they will feel the presence of God in this home as they're talking to me right now. Pray for every life that you come into contact with and look through the eyes of Christ. Oh, that the Lord would touch their life. In fact, I remember... Many years ago, there was a, a preacher from South Korea that used to come. He came over to the, U, the UK and he came up and he did some visiting around some churches in Scotland too. And he used to always encourage people. He said, now, see when you're on the phone to someone, always at the end of your prayer, uh, sorry, at the end of your phone call, ask them, would you like me to pray for you? And at first I remember just thinking, right, okay. All I could think of was the, the kind of window salesman on the phone, would you like any, and me saying at the end, well, not today, but can I pray for you right now? And I just thought, oh no. But you know, he was so sincere of heart. But although maybe I couldn't see myself, you know these scammers who come on the phone saying that um, your Microsoft Windows on your computer, um, we're here to sort it, um, the thought of maybe saying to them, well, no, it's all right. I've got an Apple uh, computer, so um, I don't think this is the problem. But can I pray for you? I could, although I couldn't see myself doing that. One thing it did, though, was it really encouraged me to pray in all circumstances. Whenever I'm here at the High Kirk, you'd be surprised, but while I'm preaching and while I'm leading worship, I'm actually praying for you as well. Praying that the Lord will really move your heart and touch you and that you'll know his comfort, that you will know encouragement, that you will leave here with a real fire in your heart. I pray that every week.
And one thing that I have maybe lost um, over the pandemic, which I'm longing to get back to, is to come back into the church. I used to pray over every pew. I used to walk around this church and I would go and I would sit in every pew and I would pray and I would say, Lord, whoever's going to be here on Sunday, I pray that you would do an absolute miracle in their life, a miracle of grace, a miracle of mercy. And I, I look forward to getting back to praying over every pew. Oh, would you labor in prayer? The Lord is looking for laborers. Reapers are needed. Notice in verse 36. Yes, the harvest is ready. But reapers are needed. The church doesn't need spectators. We need workers. We need people who are willing to labor for the Lord, to do what they can. We're not being asked to do what we can't do. That's why I love Mary of Bethany when she broke that box of ointment and poured it on Jesus. All the disciples, especially Judas, said, what a waste of money. That box could have, the money that could have been raised from that could have gone to the poor. And Jesus said, don't rebuke her. Don't rebuke it. Don't you dare say anything about Mary today. She did what she could. I love that. And you know, that, that verse in Mark's gospel has always touched me. Every time I read about Mary of Bethany, I always think, oh, she did what she could. Do you know, a lot of my time can be spent with having regrets of the things I wish I could do. Oh Lord, if only I could do this. Oh, if only I had my strength. If only I had whatever. Oh, I would be able to do this for you. And oh, and I would be able to go on this rota and that rota. And you know, we can spend a lot of time just having regrets over the things that we wish we could do now. And there's not enough young people to do them. And oh, if I only had my strength. Do you know what the Lord asks us to do? He's looking for reapers. He's looking for those who can do what they can. When the Lord asks us to go out into the harvest, he's only asking you to do what you can. He's not asking you to do the impossible, although the mission sounds impossible. Hence the title of my sermon. Mission impossible. It seems impossible. But you know, when we all do what we can for the Lord... In Matthew chapter 9 at verse 36, we notice that the reapers, they must cultivate a, a heart of compassion. We're told that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Laborers or the reapers, they need to be those who have got a compassionate heart. When Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? See, when Peter, when he knew the love of Jesus, he was then able to feed sheep and lambs. He was able to go out then with a compassionate heart because he himself had experienced the compassion of Christ. He had come to know the love of Jesus. He knew that Jesus loved him. And Peter knew that he really loved Jesus. 
I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus, there was a day when I said I loved you, but I, in my heart I rejected you. I said I didn't know you. When I was put on the spot, I felt so embarrassed, I couldn't tell anyone that I knew you. Three times, Jesus, I knew I loved you, but something just held me back. I just couldn't, I just felt so embarrassed. I felt, oh, I kept thinking, what will people think? What will people think of me? Jesus, all I could think of was myself. But Jesus, I really did love you. I, and Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. And you know, Jesus, I can see him just looking at Peter. Oh, Peter, <laughs> go and feed my sheep. Go and feed my lambs. Go out into this harvest. They're ready and they need reapers who have got a compassionate heart. They need people who really love them with the love of Jesus. They need to know the love of Christ and they need hearts that are willing to go. And yes, maybe today you feel that, well, Scott, I'm willing to go, but I can't do much at the moment, but I'll do what I can. And I know today I can pray. I feel that my prayer my heart for prayer has actually just been enlarged this morning and I want to pray in the kingdom for my family, for my neighbours, for my town, for the High Kirk that will see the kingdom of God come in power. Oh, the Lord told his disciples, the harvest is ready. The reapers are needed. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Yes, there are things that you're not able to do. Well, why don't you pray that the Lord will send in laborers who can do the things that we can't do? Oh, pray for the laborers. And then notice in closing that there are rewards for the reapers in the harvest. What's the pay? Well, this, the wage of God's blessing right now. God's laborers will be blessed. We will reap with joy. Uh, God gives us his blessings. He pours his blessings upon those who serve the Lord. Those who honor the Lord, he will honor. He will touch your life. He will bless you. He will encourage you. And more than that, there's a a wonderful wage of eternal life to come. There's going to be fruit. What a great reward. And you know the great rewards that we have, the great wages that we're given is a one soul, isn't it? That's, that's the greatest blessing is to see our children, our grandchildren to see someone who we love so dearly coming to know Christ as their saviour. That's the greatest wage. Even heaven rejoices. Even the angels rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. When one heart turns to the Lord, all heaven erupts with joy. That's the, that, that to me would be the greatest wage of all as a preacher. To see a heart coming to know Christ. Rejoicing with them when Christ returns. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, 
For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. That's what Paul wrote. Paul, as he was considering his rewards and the crown of glory that he'll get, he said, you are my crown of glory. You're my wage. You growing in the Lord and coming to know Christ and living for him. That is the greatest crown that I've received. You are my joy. Yes, I look forward to the day when we will enter into glory and the Lord will give us of these beautiful crowns. He will reward us in glory. Yes, what a wonderful day when we enter into that presence. But Paul also wants to say that those who come to know Christ and those who grow in the Lord and go out for him. Oh, you're my crown of glory, Paul says. And so these, even the thoughts of these rewards should give us some enthusiasm to go out for him, to go out into the harvest field. Matthew Henry, the great Puritan commentator, said this, I would think it greater happiness to gain one soul for Christ than mountains of silver and gold to myself. I like that. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, I would rather be the means of saving one soul from death than to be the greatest orator on earth. That's how much they prized the harvest. So can I encourage you all this morning? Don't delay. Don't wait. The harvest is ready. Are you willing to go for the Lord? Are you willing to serve him? Oh, I pray this morning that your hearts are crying, yes, I want to go. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to pray. And I want to go for you. Is that your heart's desire this morning? Then please, Join me in prayer. Let's pray together. I would like to read Psalm 67 before we pray. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the Lord praise you, O God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the people justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will need its harvest, and God our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to your throne of grace through our Lord Jesus. We thank you for your mercy and your many blessings. We worship you for who you are and to praise you for all you have done and continue to do for us. We pray that you will bless our brothers and sisters who are here with us today. And we remember also those who are unable to join us in worshiping you. 
May we all know that you are with us today. We ask you to help us to show your love and compassion to each other and to let that extend beyond our own church family to those in our community who are in need. We think especially of people who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Oh Lord, let them know that you care for the brokenhearted. That, as the psalmist says, you are a father to the fatherless and motherless, a defender of widows. You set the lonely in families and prisoners in it singing. Let people know that the High Kirk is a place where the love of Jesus can be encountered. And Father, we long for a great awakening of your Holy Spirit and to see you drawn many people to you. As we go through a very unsettling time in the Church of Scotland, help us to trust you to show the way ahead. Father, you know what it is our, that is our strong desire to keep the handicap open. Guide Scott on the session as an appeal is lodged against the state intention to close it down. Lord, we pray that Ultimately, the right decisions will be made, and with the right motives. Let your will be done in this town, as it is in heaven, and help us to keep our eyes on you. Once more, we commit to you the situation in Ukraine, and all the other places where wars are being fought, and the innocent people are being driven out of their homes. Do bring justice and peace and defeat the purposes of evil. Receive the tithes and offerings given today. Maybe they be used to increase the influence of your kingdom. Grant Scott a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit as it brings your word, and cause us all to listen with hearts and mind. May we go from here rejoicing in you, and willing to serve our awesome and gracious God. In your mercy, hear our prayers, as we ask God in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to sing in our closing hymn, I, the Lord of Sea and Sky.
And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.